0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. If you look at the JSE Securities Exchange and try to spot a trend, you might be thinking of trends in certain asset classes within the JSE, like retailers or banks or financial institutions or resources producers, that sort of thing. But one of the main trends that has become entrenched over recent years is the delisting trend. With me now is Samantha Hartod a portfolio manager at 91 in Cape Town. Before we get to your excellent slideshow, Samantha, what is the extent of the delisting process that I've just described?
1: Morning, Lindsay, and thank you. Um, So delistings have been a continual trend within the country. Uh, You know, we've gone from something like over 370 stocks listed just before the global financial crisis. We're now 242. And I think what we're finding is that, you know, a lot of the activity used to happen in the small cap space. But a lot of the delistings are actually getting larger and larger, big transactions taking place. And that's starting to limit a little bit on a per sector basis of the opportunities set for South African investors at present. And we don't think it's an overwhelmingly negative story for opportunities to invest, but nonetheless
0: disappointing. Yeah, if you go back to the smaller caps, some of them shouldn't have listed in the first place, I don't think. If you look at, for example, the late 90s. During the dot-com boom, there were certain companies in South Africa that were opportunistic and got onto the exchange. Some survived, but very few did. And the others have fallen by the wayside. But as you quite rightly say, the recent delistings are larger and more prominent. And what form have they taken, Samantha? Let's get onto that. Why have they delisted? And is it a negative or a positive delisting story?
1: So firstly, on your earlier points, absolutely right. I mean, those smaller caps probably shouldn't have uh, listed in the first place. But, you know, today, you fast forward to 2022, or even the start of, I think, from 2019 onwards. And the trend you're seeing with very good companies starting to delist is partly trying to address the discounts to NAV. So these holding companies, big ones like PSG, unwinding their structure. MediClinic, who's about to be delisted, is about RemGro trying to close off its discounts as a holding company. And then you've got some smaller South African companies that are actually just so well valued or attractively valued that you've got a lot of foreigners coming in. So Heineken taking out Distel, Dubai World coming for Imperial, the likes of PepsiCo coming after Pioneer Pioneer. Foods. And so it's some very well-run South African companies. And we must say, like like the companies that have been listed, the management teams have been very good at what they've managed to deliver. And so foreigners looking at these opportunities and deciding to fully consolidate.
0: But that's a very good sign, isn't it? They say, "Here's here's a country, a part of G20. It's got a very well-regulated financial infrastructure. Its companies are generally well-run and they're undervalued. So let's take them out. Obviously, it's not good for investors on the JSC Securities Exchange, but it's a vote of confidence in South Africa in a way, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And also the most recent one is Walmart coming after Massmart. So yes, I do think there is a vote of confidence on the management teams, but it's just a pity that, you know, the other side of the equation is the fact that we don't have IPOs. Having to, to to offset that uh you know africa has really missed out on the massive ipo trend we've had over the last three years or four years and so it is net net just fewer stocks on our index
0: yeah so it's a two-way street here because the exchange has endured a delisting trend whether it be because of private equity or unbundling or whatever it is and we'll come to that in a moment maybe but uh, the country has also lacked homegrown IPOs, in other words, new companies, new companies that I know be started in a garage, you know, the old corny thing of Amazon being started in a garage and Alibaba and things like that, coming to the exchange. It seems to me that that hasn't happened. It did happen at one stage, either rightly or wrongly, but today it doesn't. Why is that, do you think, Samantha? Why aren't we creating new companies that deserve to be on the exchange?
1: Yeah, so I think there's almost this perceived lack of entrepreneurship that the country has faced. And if you think about those homegrown stories, I think Transaction Capital has been a very successful one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, has also been a great one. But, you know, I I also think from a capital markets perspective, you're looking at what are the benefits to listing. And if the private market funding has been well-supported, and it has, you know, even here in South Africa, perhaps companies are just not interested in that equity listing process. You know, so there are young startups, you know, we do see really interesting small companies that are doing fantastic things, but if they don't need the capital, why volunteer yourself for all the added regulatory requirements needed?
0: And also because of the balance sheet situation of big companies in South Africa, which is, I think generally, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but generally pretty good If they see a startup that's starting to do well in their field of operation, they say, "Okay." They phone up the CEO, the MD, and say, "What about it? Here's a cash offer. You can become part of our organisation rather than going on the what can be a fairly onerous route to a listing."
1: Yes, and so a lot of these founders also find this is a really well, like, a neat way to exit the brands or the businesses that they have built up over the years.
0: Okay, what are the implications, please, Samantha? Because we understand the semantics of it. 370 companies down to 242. Now, I'm no mathematician, but that's a bear market and it's likely to continue. What are the implications for the future of the exchange and the whole corporate infrastructure of South Africa?
1: So, you know, when we think of that 242, perhaps we also just need to narrow it down to the stocks that are big enough and liquid enough for formal institutional investors to, to take positions in. And that probably takes it down to about 80 companies, we would say, that you could fairly trade, would want to have in the portfolios and that could make a difference to your returns. So that's the first. And then if you think about those 80 companies that you can invest in, I must say the one thing that I would caution about getting too bearish about this trend is the fact that, yes, concentration is therefore going to go up, but concentration is a theme across indices worldwide. So some people are coming out and saying, well, if you look at the swix my goodness, you know, the top 10 companies make up 40 percent of that index. You know, I'd push back and say, but you look at indices everywhere. You know, s and P, I I think it's something like 30 percent of their weighting is in the top 10 companies. And even the MSCI All World Index, you know, those are hundreds of stocks in that index. And the top 10 are also 15 and a half percent weighting. So narrow indices or the top 10 stocks taking up a bigger proportion of those uh, indices isn't new. South Africa isn't so dissimilar to other places around the world. And it is a broad variety that we are afforded. You know, you've obviously got the retailers, you've got what you call the SA Inc sectors, the retailers, as well as the banks, insurers. But then you've got the fantastic global players, you know, the the general miners, you know, companies like BTI, Richemont, um, as well as Anheuser giving other opportunities for for us investors to to get that global flavour of ideas to invest in. And so I wouldn't be overly bearish on this, uh, but it's definitely a trend we have to be cognizant of.
0: I'm looking at one of your slides, and unfortunately, it's far too busy for my tiny brain, Samantha. It's called Structural Themes, Road to 2030. Could you briefly explain this? It's beautifully constructed, by the way, but what does it mean?
1: So this is a great work done by our multi-asset colleagues in London. And they've they've taken a view on what are the major trends that we should be thinking about from a top-down basis as to what could be driving stock markets um, over the next 10 years. And they've come up with five general themes that they think are really going to matter. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's demographics, it's climate change, it's just uh, China's rise, its debt, and as well as the tech sector. And I think from a South African perspective, South African investor perspective, um, when you narrow it down, I would say that there are probably five key points um, that are most relevant for us, you know, would be demographics. I think immigration is not uh, something to be ignored and the economic headwinds that that creates for our economy, Uh, China's rise, uh, because we are, as a small emerging market, so dependent on what happens with their structural reform on the supply side, as well as their consumer. And then, of course, climate change. We we are, in some ways, front and centre, such a big um, emitter on a per capita basis. And then, of course, a lot of our sectors also being very sensitive to policy, uh, as well as environmental consciousness in general.
0: To investment cases. Yeah, I just want to comment on two of those five points. One is demographics and the second one is climate change. If for some reason medical science advances to allow myself and yourself to live till we're 250 or 300 years old, I think you as a fund manager, an asset manager at 91, you would probably look at demographic trends and say as a super uber long-term investor, I would be looking at these, these trends because these are the companies that are going to benefit from the trends that we've identified. And climate change comes into that, Samantha, because there are going to be certain parts of the world that are going to be uninhabitable by human beings if climate change continues to change. In other words, it goes above the one and a half degrees and goes on to two, two and a half in the next 50 years or something. So it's terribly important, I think, to recognize these things, as I said, as a really long term investor.
1: So on the climate change theme, and I must say, Lindsay, it is quite disappointing after COP27 that we we as a world haven't met that target or or so far policy today isn't going to meet that target of uh, limiting temperatures rising by 1.5 percent. The other side of it is, of course, there's all this investment going into new tech to make sure that the infrastructure is going to be in place to try and address it. So this is talking about commodities such as lithium batteries, obviously becoming a bigger uh, focal point, tech becoming a bigger focal point copper is always going to be needed nickel also going to be important and of course cobalt Uh, unfortunately south africa hasn't been blessed with many of these resources platinum will play a role and so we do thankfully have a lot of exposure to that but the country's outlook i'm afraid is not in the right commodities coal will eventually be tapered lower iron ore is going to be tapered low at least from china perspective but we still do have at least the listed miners that will get the benefits of that you know and one of them that comes to mind would of course be glencore yes very big coal exposure but also very big exposure to new tech that's going to be coming uh that's going to rise in prominence going forward so from an investor perspective, you know, the resources stocks that we do have listed here are still presenting an opportunity on the climate change theme.
0: OK, where to from here is one of your final slides. And if you could just briefly go through that, because as you quite rightly point out, opportunities will always remain, you say, but we must be realistic and selective. Tell us more, please.
1: So I think that the IPO trend is unlikely to change quickly in the near term. So I think on a net-net basis, if you think about the composition of the index, it's likely fewer stocks going to be listed in South Africa. Our benchmark is likely to remain old-world. Uh, you know, commodities, banking, retail are going to continue to dominate. Whereas if you think about, well, tech that's rising so much worldwide, we only have and process to to play in. And you are going to see a theme of many of our South African companies, given the low growth environment we have here, trying to push offshore. And if you think about the the company and the composition of the index today, about 70% of JSE revenues is generated outside of SA. And then we have to hope that many of these big stocks remain listed here, the likes of Anheuser-Busch, British American Tobacco. Those two are for some regulatory requirements when Anheuser took out SAB. Um, they promised our government that they'd continue to be listed here. Similar trend from British American Tobacco. And then the likes of Arishmont and BHP Billiton, who have very little or no in BHP Billiton um, revenue generated out of SA.
0: Very well described. Thank you very much, Samantha. Samantha Hartard is a portfolio manager at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position,